episode 215 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. My name is Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd, and uh, we are here in the Pat Cave of Magenta Manor, brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee, because we are part of the Dorkening Podcast Network. And uh, joining me, as always, is my co-host on the show and my co-host in life. She is the Baroness of Bordeaux, the Countess of Cabernet, the Mistress of Merlot, the Michael Phelps of Wine, the Real Housewife of Transylvania, the Queen of the Monsters, and an Honorary Lizzie, ladies and gentlemen, Ashes von Nightmare. I am so excited for the episode today. Like, I, I, I'm having a really hard time containing my excitement. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to be really cool right now, but, like, I'm... That's why... So, we have our guests on video, and um, I'm currently not on video because I cannot stop cheesing so hard right now. Like, the <laughs> grin on my face is so stupid, it's ridiculous. And speaking of grins... We have, from the hit cult film terrifier the creative force behind the film we have writer director damian leone and art the clown himself david howard thornton gentlemen how are you today good (laughs) thank you so much for joining us today you know i I cast that net out there uh because we're friends on facebook and i just threw it out like hey you want to do a show and you guys were both really enthusiastic about it so i was so pumped about this Oh, yeah. <laughs> Gives me something to do. Helps me keep my sanity right now. <laughs> and I would imagine you could use as much of it as you can, judging by uh, some of the stuff I've seen on social media. <laughs> Especially what goes on right outside where you live. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my. Luckily, they've like the, the they've quieted down out there now. For those that don't know, they were having like mass parties outside of my apartment for like a week or so when they reopened the bars here in New York. And it was nonsensical just madness it was until like four or five o'clock in the morning like motorcycles out there like revving their engines smoking their tires people just in they couldn't even get cars down the street there were so many people out there just partying it was insane no masks nothing you know it's it's not like we're in the middle of a pandemic or oh yeah yeah but i need a flirtini (laughs) yeah yeah art almost made an appearance down there really (laughs) That would have been hilarious. Yeah. So you guys, uh, you are both in New York? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Staten Island. Yeah, Staten Island, New York. Okay. I figured you guys were both in the same general vicinity. Pretty no. much, yeah. Yeah, you think so? I don't. When I got to pick yeah. you up, you could be a lot closer. Oh, yeah, that's true, yeah. <laughs> it's like geographically, it seems like we're really close, but we're not because it takes like an hour. <laughs> An hour and a half, two hours to get to each other, but we're like, you know, geographically just a few miles away from each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. See, that's like the difference between driving and say New York or Boston. Like New York, everything is like kind of gridded out. Like yeah. Boston, there's so many like, don't go this way. One way, don't you know? It's one way, but not the way you're going. It's like oh, I yeah. just have to go right over there. It's like, sorry, you're gonna have to drive twelve miles out of your way. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the, the grid system's a great thing, I think. That's like that's smart. That's smart. It's like, I'm from Alabama originally, so we don't have the, the grid system in my hometown. So it's just like before you had Google Maps or any of that, it was just like, okay, you know, you're just going to go down this road here. When you see the, the Piggly Wiggly, you're going to turn left. Now, if you pass a tree stump on your right, you've gone too far. So you have to turn right around. Now, you'll see a dog sometimes sitting out there. That means you're in the right place. 
that's how that's it's it's like oh man i like it when i move here to new york i'm like oh i just have to count yeah <laughs> i know exactly where i'm going they're on 250th and i'm on third yeah <laughs> just basic math I'm, i know where i'm going i don't have to worry about butter and biscuit lane or whatever it is <laughs> yeah you don't that's like a real that. place butter and biscuit lane in huntsville alabama you know, I, I believe you. <laughs> yeah, it does. I, it's like, man. So uh, one of the things we like to do to help, uh, you know, I mean, you guys seem like you're at 80, you're at ease. So, you know, this isn't, you know, so much for you guys. But, for, you know, for other guests that we've had who may be kind of nervous, we do our getting into character segment where, you know, we try to help you guys get a little more comfortable. But I don't I think if you were any more comfortable, you'd be in a coma. Uh, but uh it's also to help help our audience because i know that a lot of folks who listen to the show uh are going to be familiar with uh who you are and uh, and your work so what we have for you uh we have three questions that we call our getting into character and uh let's just uh, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first sure i will absolutely okay. go first and this is a question for the both of you uh okay. what is your ultimate dessert like say you know food allergies aren't an issue calories aren't an issue what is the one thing that you cannot get enough of wow that's hard to narrow down i'm a huge huge dessert fan um, I love pastries. I love cannolis and Napoleons. Mm -hmm. Um, ice cream obsessed with it. I'm actually, today's my cheat day. I'm going to have a ton of ice cream. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to go with, uh, cannolis though. It's yeah. a solid answer. Yeah. How about you, David? Uh, boy, I, I'm like that too. I, I love desserts too. Like tiramisu is one of my favorites. I love that kind of stuff. I, I'm a, but I'm also a big ice cream person too. And like growing up, uh, like my favorite thing was like for my birthday, my parents would get me one of those great American cookie company cookie cakes, which oh. are, I think are the best cookie cakes out there. But like if I could make like a cookie cake, like great American cookie cake sandwich with like cookie dough ice cream, I would be in heaven. That that would be really good. It's just oh, I'm a big ice cream freak. I just love ice cream. Now I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I used to work at a Baskin Robbins too way back in the day, and it's like my boss there had known me since I was a baby, and I'm, I've always been skinny little bean pole. She's like, I, I'm going to make you gain weight here, and so she's like, I mean, we all could eat whatever we wanted, but she was especially like, David, go eat. And I would just sit there, and I'd get like a you know a brownie sundae, and I'd like put like three scoops of different ice creams in there, and like cover a hot fudge and caramel and Reese's pieces and whipped cream and like crumbled waffle cone, and then I'd have a chocolate shake on the side, and I didn't gain anything. She's like, "How the heck?" <laughs> yeah, that was that was me. I up wish until I, I had that 20s. problem. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean I just, that I was back then. That, it's like, starting to now. slow down a little bit now, but I mean back then, my God, I I could just put it away. Wow. So my question for you is, uh, this is again for each of you, although slightly different. So for Damien, uh, if you could go back and replace any director on any horror film, what would it be? And David, for you, if you could go. <laughs> And oh, wow. you know, take over a role in any horror film. What would it be? Um, wow, that's a hard horror film. Okay, 
So replace a director. So is this sort of like a movie that I wish I got to direct? Yes, it could or, be. It could be like, oh man, I wish I directed Jaws. You know. Oh boy, I don't wish I directed Jaws because <laughs> yeah, you can't, I can't do a better job. Um, <laughs> let me see. Jesus, that's tough. Dave, if you come up with something, by all means, go for it. I, I would. You know, it's it's a really really old one, probably like one of the originals. And I would I would say I would like to replace Max Shrek as Ooh. Nosferatu. That's good. That that would have been fun. That's a, that that would be a fun role to do. See, I would have guessed you would say like Conrad Veidt in The Man Who Laughs. Yeah, but I don't really consider that a horror film. But but yeah. if it was if it was a regular film, I I, I know easily who I'd replace. I would have replaced Jared Leto and Suicide yes. Squad and do it right. Yep. Yes. <laughs> oh my god, I could I could I've see seen that picture that of you. Yes. I'm like, don't give me the stupid tattoos. No, no, let's do classic Joker. Let's do it right. Killing joke, Joker. Mm. Yep. Yeah, that's tough because, uh, I'm, I don't, like, I wouldn't want to replace anything because I, I feel like the movies that I'm thinking of that I love, they're perfect the way they are. So I don't want to screw them up. But I think that someone should give me and Dave the opportunity to reboot nightmare on elm street i would love to direct that Ooh. oh wow yeah gosh that would be so that's oh that's so scary i, I think mike levy would handle the role better than i could though i mean he looks so much like robert more of the robert england thing going. yeah on. yeah I, I i i'm comfortable passing that on to mike let him have that responsibility <laughs> i don't want to step on superman's cape here <laughs> yeah. as we... much fun as it would be to play that role i i would I'll be like, oh. Yeah, it takes balls, that's for sure. Yeah, gosh. <laughs> Big, huge balls. Yeah. Jackie Earl Haley-sized balls. Yeah, yeah. And don't get me wrong, I like Jackie Earl Haley. I just Oh, he's, yeah. He's fantastic. It's just, yeah. yeah, Robert England is just so iconic. There's just things you can't you can't touch. Yeah. He's magic. He's lightning in a bottle. You're not going to get yeah. a be yeah, better frame. to replicate that. that. It's just like you, you can't replace, uh, you know, Norman Bates either. It's just like, that's just like, it's, uh, Anthony Perkins was perfect in that role. It's like, yeah, it's like, you yeah. just don't touch it. So my next question, and this goes for the both of you, if you could bring back one thing from your childhood, what would it be? Could be a toy, could be a television series, a film. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Yeah, because so much has been brought back. I mean, there are two things I would say, like uh, toy-wise and like cartoon series-wise. I would say bring back Mask, oh, yeah. that old series Mask M. A. You know, Mobile Armored Strike Command. That was a great toy line and great series. I am surprised they haven't brought that back. But um, I want to reboot also the Mask. That's Ooh. what I would really like to do, but do it like the original Dark Horse comics version of it, where it's all like bloody and violent and over the top. Because like Deadpool has proven that that could work now, that kind of humor in a movie. But I mean, I, I think it would even translate well into it, like a Netflix series. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Oh my god, I don't know. I don't. The first thing that came to mind is like an old school horror anthology show, like because I used to love Tales from the Dark Side and. Tales from the Crypt. I mean, I know they reboot those, but they don't have the same feeling. So if there was a way to get that Tales from the Dark Side essence into a show today, I would really love that. I feel like that's missing. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
I think you would that need would to be- get just the right director who has that, you know, that that skill like a Guillermo del Toro or, you know, somebody yeah. like a, even like a, uh, I think Don Coscarelli could pull that off fairly well. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, I just feel like everything is so polished when you see a new show, like the new, the, the original Twilight Zone, the black and white Twilight Zone is my favorite show of all time. And when you see the new ones, they're just, you can't capture, I mean, you couldn't get any further away from the feel of the black and white ones, but you just, yeah. it, so clean and polished in Hollywood. There's some some level of realism and grit missing that I need in everything. I mean, shows, movies, everything is too clean. Yeah, I I agree with you because there's something. It's I think it also harkens back to the the writing style of you know Rod Serling and Richard Matheson and and Ray Bradbury. Like there's oh just God. something about yeah. their stories that are just so like so many people don't realize like the breadth of work that Matheson did, like aside from I am legend, which has been done three different times, mm-hmm. you know, you had duel, which duel. is amazing. Yeah. Incredible. And trilogy what, of terror, what dreams may come like, it's, yeah. and it's, oh, it's so random. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, he's, uh, he's a legend. He's a beast. <laughs> and some that of the movie. episodes he's responsible for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, what dreams may come makes me cry like a baby every time I see it. I'm just like, oh, good yeah. God, that makes me ugly cry. <laughs> and not just because we miss Robin Williams. God. <laughs> Which kind of leads me into my next uh, question. This will be the the last question before we go to break. Um, if you could bring back any celebrity who died tragically before okay. their time, who would it be? That one's super easy for me. That would be Bruce Lee, who's my hero, one of my biggest idols. So definitely Bruce Lee in a heartbeat. Yeah. I I would say, you know, Rob Moines is a good good one, but I would also I would want to bring back my friend Stefan Carl. I mean, he was I he he died two years ago from cancer. Um, he was Robbie Rotten on Lazy Town, and I, I think he's one of these guys that was so good at what he did but he still had not totally just like broken the barrier of being just super famous and he had so much potential and it's just sad that his life was cut so short when he was such an amazingly talented man so i'll, I'll bring Stefan back i think that's a good good choice uh for both so uh we're gonna wrap this segment up we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we are going to discuss all things terrifier terrifier 2 art the clown because we have the definitive experts on the subject here so, uh, we will be right back deadly grounds coffee knows how important your coffee is to you every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Hello again, everyone. It's Mr. Most Days Off from the Best Darn Diddly Review Show, here with a special message for you from Richie the Wiz Kid. You know, 
A town without best darn diddly is a little like the mule with the spinning wheel. No one knows how he got it and danged if he knows how to use it. The name's WizKid, Richie the WizKid, and I come before you good fans of Springfield with probably the greatest podcast. Uh, it's not for you. It's more of a Shelbyville podcast. Now, you wait here just a minute. We're twice as smart as the people of Shelbyville. You tell us where to listen to Best Darn Diddly and we'll listen. I'll tell you exactly where you can listen to it. You can catch the Best Darn Diddly Review Show each and every Monday on bestdarndiddly.com. So hop on the monorail and join us on this journey through the Simpsons series. Hey, what's up? I'm Amy Stolte. And this is James Thomas. We are from Battle Star Wars. And you're listening to the Throwdown Thursday podcast. So, we just rewatched the film last night. We rewatched Terrifier because mm-hmm. we had seen it before, and we wanted to, you know, really get back into, you know, the headspace of uh, of that the Terrifier universe, for lack of a better term. Um, right. Although I do like that term. Um, and one of the things that I really didn't pick up on the first time is how industrious art is. He's <laughs> very much opportunistic and you know he's making some of his own tools at the beginning and we really don't see that a lot from you know most killers they'll just oh there's a machete oh there's a fireplace poker you know i mean freddy krueger a little bit you know he made his own glove which mm-hmm. you know that's that's fairly industrious um so i guess the first question is uh to damien where did art come from like is there a a specific inspiration or are there multiple inspirations like where where was this uh this brain baby formed um multiple uh, he he's grown over time uh, so he was i tell this story a lot but um he was in my first short film um and it was basically my showcase as a filmmaker slash special makeup effects artist is going to be my calling card in the industry so i packed it out with all kinds of creatures and uh, witches, demons. Um, I said, you know, I always loved clowns. Let's throw a clown in there. And it was basically, let's just throw everything at the wall and see if something sticks. And at the end of the day, people thought it was cool, but they thought that the clown was the coolest thing in it by far. And the idea of the clown just came from this idea I had of um, a woman on a city bus alone at night. She's all alone on the bus, the only one left. And all of a sudden it comes to a stop and a clown gets on. It's not even Halloween. So already it's, you know, sort of strange. And he gets, comes to the back of the bus, sits across from her, and just kind of plays out the way it does in um, in the Ninth Circle, the short film, which is the first story in All Hallows' Eve. And uh, he starts toying with her and 
freaking her out, but it's sort of playful. And then it just progressively gets worse and worse until he's trying to uh, stick her with a needle. So don't know where the idea came from. You know, when you're you know a horror film fanatic and you want to make horror movies, you just start thinking of really creepy, weird shit. You know, so that was that's what I came up with. And then uh, then it was about what does this clown look like? How can I make him different than say Pennywise? The Tim Curry Pennywise, who at the time was the king, you know, still arguably the king of killer clowns. And um, so just going back and forth, you know, I wanted to stray as far away as possible. So Art the Clown is not colorful. He doesn't have hair. He doesn't speak. He uses weapons. Penny, Pennywise doesn't. So I, I do owe a lot um, to Pennywise for Art the Clown's look. And, uh, and I always sort of gravitated more toward the silent killers, even though, uh, even though I'm obsessed with Freddy Krueger, he's one of my favorites. But um, you know, there's something about the the killer that you can't reason with. You take away the communication, they become less human. Uh, you can't reason with them and stuff. So, so that was the reason I went in the silent route. I think it works really well. And David, when you first, uh, how did you first? You know, did you audition for this? Like, did you guys know each other prior? Uh, how did you become Art the Clown? I, I had seen All Hallows Eve before um, all this happened, and I was, so I was already a fan of the character. I thought it was a really cool character. I was like, uh, he's kind of like an evil Mr. Bean. What an awesome character to be able to play. I would love to play a character like that one day. And so I was in the middle of this like whole lull uh, in between like when I had just finished doing a tour and just auditioning like crazy for all these Broadway tours. And I had been up for like four different ones at the time and all of them fell through at the last second for one reason or another. And I, I came across this audition notice for um, Terrifier. They were looking for a tall skinny guy to uh, that had like a physical comedy or a clowning experience to play art. And I'm like, oh my God, yes. <laughs> and I had never done film before. I'd always wanted to like break into it because yeah, I've always, always more focused on like voiceover and like stage work I'm like oh this would be a great way to like finally branch out into film and i'm like i'm perfect for this so i told my reps to send me in and they did and the rest is history go ahead i was gonna say there is this huge likability factor for art the clown <laughs> and i totally attribute that to your portrayal did you do anything in preparation, you know, for, for being Art the Clown? Is there something that you brought to the table to make Art the Clown yours? Well, I mean, what I first of all did, I went back and rewatched uh, the original All Hallows Eve with Mike Gianelli, who was the original Art the Clown, and he was fantastic in that. He set a great foundation for me. He, he brought a lot to it. So he took a lot of the hard work out of, <laughs> out of it for me because I was like, okay, there's already something established. I, I can just build upon what he did. And so I, I wanted to build more into uh, because of my background in doing physical comedy and clowning and stuff like that. I, I, I want to build more of that into the character because you know, it's like, well, since he doesn't talk, I, I still want him to be expressive where you, you can still, you know, he, he doesn't have to talk. You still know what he's basically thinking. And so I, I wanted to bring more of that to the character with, you know, the facial expressions, the body movements, especially a lot of acting with the eyes as well. And so that, that's what I, I feel like I brought to it. But, I mean, <clears throat> that comes from my my love of, you know, growing up on great physical comedy. You know, I, I grew up watching the, the black and white, you know, films like Chaplin and Keaton and, 
Marx Brothers and Three Stooges, Laurel and Hardy and all that kind of stuff, but also really enjoyed watching uh, Mr. Bean videos a lot growing up. So I, 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 that's been my whole entire life. I've been, I, I feel like I've basically been preparing to play art my whole entire life. <laughs> that makes sense. Now, Damien, yeah. when, when uh, David was, was, you know, going through his you know, audition process and once he got the role, uh, how much collaboration was there between the two of you? Were you just like, I loved what you did in the audition, keep doing that? Or, you know, oh, I never thought about this. Like, he's bringing out a new uh, a new dimension to the character. Like, how much back and forth between the two of you was there on this character? Um, well, I'm very, very specific with art. So I, I know exactly what I want him to do at all times. So, like, sometimes it'll... Uh, it'll be as much as like I know every single look and smile and quirk that I want Dave to have in the scene. But then I let Dave play around a lot um, because he brings the theatricality to the role that Mike Gianelli, who played him first, didn't. So there were a lot more. He was much more limited um, in his abilities. So Dave, when I saw Dave be able to bring, you know, these much more animated attributes to it, you know, they were like, oh, I didn't really. I didn't really picture art being that much of a clown. Like I liked him being a lot colder. Um, so, so I would let Dave, I let Dave do that all the time. I always give Dave takes and just let him go crazy. And uh, a lot of times I use all of his quirky things that I wouldn't have uh, imagined. And that was something that I discovered while filming the first Terrifier. Uh, and I sort of had to just let that, let that go and, and, and embrace a little bit more of a, a change with the character and go a little bit more in that, I, you can call it like comedic, but quirky's I would say is definitely the the word, um, and people do like that a lot. So, but we always make sure that we don't go too far into that into that world. We always have to come back, and art always has to be first and foremost terrifying, sadistic. Uh, we can't let the jokes overpower that. Yeah. Well, it's kind of perfect because at times it's like he almost lulls you into this false sense of comfort it's like oh he's cute he's funny he's laughing yeah. and then he yeah. saws a girl in half you know so <laughs> you those you do. i think it's because people like art because he's having so much fun yes. uh he's uh he's um yeah he's a joy he's a joy to hang out with you know so uh he's very charismatic I think, and uh, yeah, but I think, uh, I don't know, I think Dave, you and I are doing a really good job of uh, creating and molding this character into something yeah. uh, something fresh and interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm always asking questions on, on set, like, okay, how do, you want, how do you want my face to be in this shot? You know, do you want the smile? Do you want the, the, the just cold look on my face? What do you want? It's just this constant collaboration between the two of us. Speaking of this, this, I'm sorry, there's like, there's moments that I use, for instance, where we're not even rolling. Okay, well, we're rolling, but we're not like I could be off camera directing Dave or something's going on where camera's still rolling, but we're setting something up and Dave's just making faces and or or not, or Dave's just being Dave. And there could be a little moment where Dave, <laughs> up. it's like I could actually take that and use that and it becomes this really interesting moment. Uh, there was a moment in Terrifier 1 where um, after he's suffocating Samantha with the plastic bag, the Victoria character, and she rips through and breaks away and slams the, the spike into his foot. So she comes back, and uh, we yelled cut, but the camera was still rolling, and Dave gave her the finger. 
actually gave the actress Sam the finger and everybody on set was laughing and everything. And then months later, I'm editing the scene and I stumble across that footage. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, you know, if everybody was laughing on set, maybe I should keep that little snippet in the movie and it'll get a laugh from the audience. That's not something I would ever imagine Art the Clown doing. And that wasn't me or Dave, you know, that was just playing Art. That was just Dave being Dave in that moment. And that yeah. worked for Art the Clown. So we're I, I think it was like a, our fourth or fifth take and she was having to redo this horrible thing she had to keep doing to herself over and over. So I was, I was just joking around with her like, ah, fuck you. We got to do this again. <laughs> <laughs> it it just worked out well. It's like, oh, that's a great moment. I did like the fact that, you know, because I've seen that happen a, a million times in movies where somebody gets a plastic bag or something over their face and they're always grabbing at the arm. It's like, finally, somebody ripped the friggin' bag. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I love, too, is like Art's reaction to it. It's like, what the, the, the what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he looks so confused and angry. Yeah. Oh, that, that came from me. Like, that wasn't written in the script. That was one of those things where I was like, well, I got to do something to kill the time while she's grabbing this, like, this iron right, spike right. to drive into my foot. So what would he do here? It's like, well, he would probably be like, how dare she? What the, this never happened before. <laughs> I think it's still funny how people get annoyed uh, that characters in horror movies still make stupid decisions. If you yeah. realize that the movie would be over in six minutes, if you, oh, yeah. <laughs> you didn't, you know, you got to drag out those moments of suspense and this and that to create those yeah. scenarios. Um, so going back <laughs> to Art's smile, my question is how are you able to keep your mouth open like that for that long of a you know period of time <laughs> i just come from a family of big mouths <laughs> <laughs> no no I, I think it's just the prosthetics themselves lend that to that because it's like they do take up an extra space in my mouth and so that just makes it easier to just naturally keep my mouth open like that I will say, like, seeing a lot of your, your facial expressions and, like, the con different contortions that you do, uh, there is definitely an air of, like, early 90s Jim Carrey that I get from, <laughs> from your performance. Yeah, thank um, you. We do have a question from, because uh, we, we just touched on the, uh, the Saw scene, because uh, my first impression on that was, this guy knows where to get tools. Like, these are high-quality uh, tools. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, we have a question from our good buddy Anthony Thurber over at Anthony T's Horror Show asking, what was it like creating the effects and filming the film's most infamous Saw death scene? Mm. Well, actually filming it was the most intense day on set for sure because it was dangerous and we just, you know, we knew it was the scene. We always knew that that was going to be the scene if we pulled it off that people were going to talk about once the movie was finished. So um, my producer, Phil Falcone, and I spent the most amount of time. He helped me the whole way actually building those effects. We spent months building those replica bodies of Catherine. Uh, so we made silicone bodies. Um, I think we had two full bodies, one torso. We had like a backside. And um, I mean, everything you see is really happening. There's no camera tricks or anything. So we literally hung her upside down from her ankles and uh, we could only do it for like 30 seconds at a time before the blood started rushing to her head and we had to quickly get her back up. So it was very intense, especially we had special effects going. So we're spraying blood and blood's running down and going up her nose. And really the only reason that that scene works is because of Catherine and because of how dedicated she was 
and how gung-ho she was from the start. I remember her reading the script, we gave her the role and then she wanted to meet with me uh, to talk specifically about that scene and how excited she was for it and how she wanted to put her all into it. She said, if we're gonna do this, this has to be the coolest thing we've ever we've ever done. Like we have to blow people's minds with this. And I said, that's what we're gonna try and do. So um, yeah, it was like, we all came together. It was like such a great collaborative moment. And uh, thankfully people do appreciate the scene. It is a standout for sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, who wouldn't want to be like, you know, getting killed in one of the most epic death scenes ever put to film? Like, I <laughs> yeah. I, I did a a show the other day where I, I interviewed a, a young lady who also has a question that we're going to ask in a few moments. Um, she's a, a haunt actress, and you know, she just got cast in a in a horror film. And I asked her what are her top kills that she's ever seen in a film, and like this was the first one that came to mind was oh wow. Was that nice? Amazing? That's amazing. That's amazing. So, yeah, um, um, I mean, yeah, we also knew that we were such a low budget film. We didn't have a following. And since I'm a special makeup effects artist, I, you know, I quite, you know, I said, what can I bring to the table that's going to make us stand out amongst the big boys? Right. And let's show, let's show horror fans something that they're probably not going to see in a theater, in a modern horror movie. Um, so, you know, I did some research. I wanted to see what was some really brutal uh, medieval torture methods, and that was one of them. And I said, I'd never seen that in a movie, so let's uh, let's give that a try. Now, <laughs> how important was it to you to use practical effects in this film? Oh, it's everything, everything. I mean, not only because I'm a makeup effects artist. Um, practical effects artist, but I just still think to this day that they're more effective and they're more believable. When it comes to horror effects, I feel like you could always tell when the blood is CGI, it looks like cartoon blood flying around. And I think to me, it takes me right out of the, right out of the film. And there's still a huge love for practical effects. I mean, just read comments. Everybody loves practical. Everybody always says, oh, I wish they'd go back to practical effects. And yeah. And also, when you can marry both practical and visual effects, I think that's when you get the best results. So we try and do that sometimes, too. You probably wouldn't even know that we're doing it because we do it so subtly. Um, but, yeah, no, practical effects are everything, and that's what we did again in Terrifier 2. It's all practical and we're breaking our asses doing it. <laughs> but, yeah. I, I think he's actually you know, upped his game on the practical effects in Terrifier 2 as well. It's like... You, you, I, I've seen just like the level of detail that he has put into a lot of these prosthetics. It's just like it's mind blowing. Like just like, like I, I one time thought it was the actual actor, and I'm like, oh wow, <laughs> <laughs> whoa, that is just like down to the detail, which is like the skin tone and all the the blemishes on the skin and everything. It's like he puts that much detail in these, and it's just it's it, it, especially for something that might be on screen for all of like two or three seconds. Yeah goes that extra mile with that and i think that's you know something that's you don't see every day people aren't willing to put that kind of work into things anymore they're just like okay let's just cg that and i, I that's what i love about the practical effects of like this one effect that we did recently is just like it blew my mind the amount of detail he put into it, it even looked like it was breathing <laughs> it was like well, thanks buddy 
Well, that's the yeah. thing with, with practical effects. did a great job tearing that thing apart, too. <laughs> I, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> well, that's the thing with practical effects. Like you're saying, like, you know, one of the greatest practical effects films of all time, The Thing, you know, it, they had the 2011 prequel that came out. And there were certain things that you can do with, you know, practical effects that are harder to do with, uh, or, or with CGI that are harder to do, like when the guy's head splits open and all the tentacles come out, that would have been mm-hmm. really difficult to do as a practical effect. Um, but seeing the effects that were in Terrifier, like how good, like the jack-o'-lantern head uh, in the pizza place, um, that was maybe my favorite one because there's there's such a high quality to this uh to the effects that are in this movie, especially for a lower-budget independent horror film. Um, I think that's really what helped, you know, skyrocket this into the, the you know, cultural zeitgeist for, I don't know, I don't really use that word, but it sounded cool. Um, it does. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it, you know, it really got on the map because of the, you know, the the skill that uh, David brought with you know his portrayal of art, the exceedingly high level of practical effects, like how good that was, the acting, everybody was good in this. Like I can't think of a weak link that was part of this film. Like and it's got that, like we were talking a little bit off air, that dirty, grimy, you know, uh, look to it, and I think that's what helped you know catapult it and. You know, when you guys did the the crowdfunding for Terrifier 2, how quickly that got funded because everyone was like, I need to see more of this. I have to know what's going on. And like, that's one of my biggest regrets is not being able to contribute to that. Like, I was so bummed out that I didn't get to be a part of that. However, because of that and seeing, you know, how good you know, not just your film, but there are a few other independent creators that we know that we've, you know, gotten a chance to see their work and and talk with them. It's like that really, you know, sparked our love for independent film and independent creators because there's so much that goes into lower budget films and people, it's so often just conflate that with, oh, it's low budget, it's independent, oh, it must be bad. Otherwise, they'd get funding. And it's like, you have to watch this because it's not only like I would imagine the shooting schedule was, you know, fairly short. So you not only have like this, uh, you know, a bridge budget, but you have an abridged shooting schedule. So it's like, okay, we have this scene. We have to get it right because Mm -hmm. we don't have 30, 40 takes. We don't have three or four months to do this. You know, and like you were saying, Damien, with the, uh, the practical effects, it's not like you had, you know, a warehouse full of, you know, prosthetics, you know, for, uh, you know, sawing the, the girl in half. It's, you know, you had a couple of these, so you had to get it right. Oh, yeah. So talk us talk to us a little bit about, like, you know, maximizing your budget and maximizing your shooting schedule. Well, thankfully, on part two, we do have more, uh, a lot more shooting days, Um bigger budget so we can uh we can do more things the production design is is much bigger production value is definitely upped in this one um but wait i'm sorry i just lost my train of thought what was the what was the question again uh talk about the uh maximizing the budget and the shooting schedule for terrifier yeah oh well so in terms of like special effects 
let's like so for part two i really wanted help with the effects because for me to do it all myself is brutal like making dave up every day is three hours yep. on top of a 15 hour day sometimes more and then it's an hour to get him out of the makeup so that's really brutal um we i tried to hire people to at least help me half of the way and we couldn't come to a deal looked like they were gonna do it so we were ready to go and then like a week before um they were going to start building things they pulled out so then i had to scramble and do everything uh again me and my producer phil who's not a makeup artist but he helps me the whole step of the way like he'll mix things for me, mix silicones and he's he is learning because we've been doing this for two movies now so he's actually getting really good at a lot of this stuff um but because i'm the makeup artist and i don't have to pay myself okay we can what would I'll give you an example, okay? I got to speak to a Hollywood makeup artist this time, and I wanted them to help out on the movie and to do a full body thing. I can't say what it is. Basically, that would have cost a third of the entire budget we had to do this one effect, talking to a major studio, if that puts it into perspective. Yeah. So the, wow. the amount of effects in this movie would be quadruple or more the, the entire budget of this film. So that's how much work we're putting into the just the effects in this movie alone. Forget about the scope of the movie and everything else, which is su substantially bigger than the first movie. The first movie was so small compared to this one. This one, we are swinging for the fences on on every level. Um, so that's that's one of the ways we maximize is my by me just doing <laughs> everything I possibly can. I edit. We don't have to pay an editor. Um, just. Whatever you can do yourself, I mean, do it. Teach yourself. And it's just not just Damien, too. It's like we have just a, such a talented crew behind everything, too. It's like everybody that's been working on this film, you know, even to our uh, production assistants, they have been busting their asses to just put their 100% into this, and they've been sacrificing so much. And, and it shows. It's just like it's when you get people that are really dedicated to wanting to Put out a good product it shows mm -hmm. yeah there's a lot of love a lot of dedication that's really what yeah. it takes you have to get people who are as dedicated as you are and they yeah. believe in the finished product and we like have a, a good example it was just like uh, uh jackie and olga who um decorated this whole entire bedroom for our main character in this and they did it overnight it was like it was literally night and day difference between going in the night before and like, and I was like, I was getting scared because like, how is this going to be ready for tomorrow? And they show up the next, and it's just, it looks like a real bedroom, but like the amount of details they put into this, like the things that you probably won't even notice on screen, right. it's like just, it was, I, I was blown away that they did this overnight in just a few hours. I was like, this is amazing, but this is like the type of people we have working on this film that they are so talented and they put their all into it. Yeah, we have a lot of a lot of sets in this film as opposed to the first one, which is all 99% shot on location. So this one, uh, a lot of these uh, scenes required that we built sets, like the main character, Sienna's bedroom, is a giant set with like, movable walls and everything, just so we can control the time of day. We don't have to worry about you know, the sun going down and things like that, uh, among other things. Um, so yeah, like he said, you know, that was that was one of our biggest sets in the movie, and just to see what they did they were up for like 24 hours before we started shooting just every little detail of that set and then seeing it and putting Laura and our actress into it and 
it's 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 an amazing feeling when it when it works. But um, yeah, we do have the most amazing crew on this. Yeah, I, I imagine you know from you know the the conversations we've had with a lot of filmmakers, you know they're they're doing the same thing you're doing. It's like, well, I'm you know I'm editing and I'm you know the DP and I'm directing and you know I start as you know this one character you know so there's there's so much that goes into it because you have this specific vision and you're like if you can't afford to get you know exactly who you want you know like you were saying like it would have cost a third of your budget yeah you know it's like well i can do this stuff i know what i want it to look like i know what how i want it to feel let me uh let me let me do this myself so, talking about Terrifier 2, that trailer, watching that trailer, I had a similar reaction that I had seeing, like, you know, Star Wars and the Avengers trailers. Like, I got goosebumps. I was like, this looks fucking awesome. Because I loved the first movie, and then seeing this, it's like, holy shit, like... <laughs> oh my god it's like the first movie to like the nth degree i just i was salivated i cannot wait oh, wow. for this to come out thank you wow. thank, thank you guys you. cool that's cool when you created the first film when you sat down and wrote it and went through the the filming process and the post-production and everything did you have any idea that it would be this popular and did you already have the idea for a sequel in mind I would be lying if I said I didn't believe in the character. Like knowing to what level it's going to take off, you don't know. But you just you just go in giving it your all and believing in it, especially as a fan. I figured you really can't be more of a horror fan than I am. So, and I just felt like this is what me as a kid or like a twelve-year-old teenager would would really be yearning for today like a character like this that i haven't seen in a long time so i knew that there was there would be a connection and and especially since i've been making short films with art for years and every time i made a new one he got bigger little by little his his popularity always grew so i knew there was something there um but yeah i mean did i know what part two was going to be exactly not really i knew that terrifier one was just going to be like my short film, which was showcasing, throwing things against the wall, this was, all right, here's Art the Clown. I'm going to give you a full feature, and it's just him focusing on this character, and what do you think of this guy? Right? And putting my all into it, and just a total showcase of art and his potential. And so in that, in that regard, it did pay off because people want to see more, but now they want him more fleshed out. They want more of a story, more developed characters. And that's what we're doing in this one. But everything that you loved in part one is certainly in part two. But it's just it's just in such another universe on, on, on every level. Yeah, because watching, watching the first one, one of the things I appreciate, and so many horror films kind of end up in this, uh, eventually end up you know, getting this type of treatment, but you don't really explain much about art. Like we see him kind of like, tooling his weapons at the beginning, like choosing what he's going to use. Uh, he's clearly got a layer of some sort. I don't know if it's temporary, but, you know, he's got a home base. And he throws everything into his garbage sack and walks out. And we see how he chooses his victims, which is 
seemingly random. Yes. Yeah. Um, and we see how opportunistic he is. It's like one of the best sequences is uh, the the whole time that he uses the gun. Oh, okay. Where he's using the gun <laughs> and he runs out of ammo and he's like, oh. so he leaves, goes, gets more ammunition out of his bag, comes back and finishes the job. Yeah, like yeah. that you don't see many and obviously there's a, a supernatural element to art that we aren't privy to um but you don't generally see a supernatural like you know Jason's not going to use a gun you know Freddy's not going to use a gun Michael Myers isn't going to use a gun because it's not up close and personal enough but I feel like art had gotten pretty intimate already with uh with her I will say I in my opinion, the most terrifying part, like the creepiest, scary, like if I saw this, like I'd probably shit myself part, uh, <laughs> is uh, Art's impression of Buffalo Bill. <laughs> that, to me, not only was like the scariest, like creepiest thing, but to me, David, it seemed like that was like almost like the highlight of your, you know, showing off your, your, your acting chops. Like, Oh, look at, look at what I can do. Look how terrifying <laughs> and menacing I can be. Art the clown is a very pretty woman. <laughs> so pretty. Uh, like I was just so great. Like what went into that scene, uh, Damien, both writing it and creating wow. it and David, you, uh, you know, performing. acting it out. Yeah. yeah performing it. <laughs> that was a very interesting scene from conception to execution. Um, evolved the entire way. The way it started, um, when I was writing the script, my girlfriend at the time, um, for whatever reason, she said, it would be cool if you, uh, I want to see Art the Clown in a wig. You should do something like that. That's all it was. I want, like, Art the Clown in a wig would be creepy. I'm like, oh, okay. But, so I'm thinking about it. And then I said, why would Art be wearing a wig? I'm like, it's Art. He's way sicker than that, so he's going to be wearing a scalp. And then I'm like, all right, so he killed a woman and he took her scalp. But it's Art. Is he just going to take her scalp or is he going to start taking more things? So he's going to take everything from her that makes her physically a woman, all of her attributes, and he'd wear that. I said, that's more Art the Clown. So I like that. So I put that in the script. But originally, he put the he put her breasts and everything over his clown suit because you've never I mean, very rarely, I'm sure you have. But I mean, it's very risky to take a character out of their costume like a Jason or a Michael Myers to take them out of their costume is almost unheard of. So that was super risky. Um, and I was talking to Dave and I just kept thinking about it more and more. And I said, for this to be really effective, Dave, I think he's got to be naked. <laughs> And, and <laughs> yikes! I was like, like oh. finally. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was like, I, I was the opposite. Was like, who wants to see me like that? <laughs> <laughs> we saw a lot. <laughs> yeah, poor crew. Oh, that poor but, crew. Testament to this guy. Uh, he said, "Hey, if that's what it's got to be, yeah, I think that'll yeah. be here as well." I mean, and what yeah. was your? What was yeah, your? That's that's what it was is because you know I really because that was like a, it was like two days before we shot this too that he sprung this on me and I'm like I, I actually had to sit there and think about it because I was like you know 
yeah, I, I never really wanted to do nudity in a film or anything like that, especially for my first film. I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> but I, I, I was sitting there thinking, I was like, you know, I, I look at what Catherine was having to do for that scene, like exposing herself in such a very, very vulnerable state that she had to do for that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? She's doing this. She's sacrificing that for this scene because she knows that this will really stand out. If she does this, so like you know, if she can do that, I could do this. This is you know that what I'm doing is nothing compared to what she's having to do. So yeah, let's do this. I was like, I'll just apologize to the crew <laughs> in advance. I'm like, I'm sorry, you did not sign in up to see my butt all night, but here you go. <laughs> I will. I will say that. Had you done it the other way and w- had he worn it over the the costume, it would th- there'd be very no. little impact. Oh yeah, yeah. Because there are some people that think that's actually Art's body underneath that too. There's some people that actually thought that Art might be a woman actually <laughs> because Wait, of that. I'm like, it's like did you not? <laughs> I'm like, what? what just happened? I was like, I know I have a girlish figure, but come on. <laughs> <laughs> But that's an example of what we try and do to keep the character fresh and exciting is mm. is take these big risks with the character, like the gun, like the Buffalo Bill scene, things that could totally fall flat or potentially ruin the character. And sometimes, I wouldn't say ruin the character, but the gun really turned a lot of people off, a lot of hardcore horror fans, mm-hmm. huge slasher fans. I, I was talking to a guy the other night who was telling me I, I hate the gun. I, I hate it. I, you had me and you lost me at the gun. Um, but that's a risk you got to take. I personally love the gun. I thought it was something fresh. It was a test to myself to see if I could pull it off, putting a gun in the hands of a Michael Myers type character. And could it be used in a slasher-esque type way? And that's what we did. I mean, he doesn't just kill her. He really tortures her with that gun. And he, again, his, his whole MO is just prolonging the suffering uh, first mentally and then physically. Um, so again, like he leaves her and then he, like you said, he goes and he has to reload and he's talking on the phone and she's up there and she's up there, you know, suffering and bleeding to death. And so he's just dragging it out and dragging it out until he finally kills her. And then he mutilates her face with it. Yeah. So, yeah. See, that to me is what, what does it because, you know, yes, he's using a gun, which I think is a fresh idea. It's just, this is this bag of stuff that he's, you know, curated over however much time, you know, mm-hmm. taking stuff from his victims, you know, like that could be a trophy from somebody that he killed, somebody that he crossed that was like... Absolutely. You know, could have killed a police officer, could be anything. Could be some random dude in an alley that like... Yeah. You know, Art was like, I'm going to fuck this guy up. Yeah. You know, so everything that's in his bag of tricks to me is part of who the character is. And if he yeah. has this gun, there's a story behind this gun. Sure. And he has no rules and he has no code. And why, if he could make you suffer with something, why not? I don't think he would come across a weapon that if he couldn't use it, you know, he could certainly use that and torture somebody with it. There's no doubt about it. So for me, he's going to say, yeah, I'll try this out on somebody. Why not? Let's see. Maybe it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> I look at him as like, you know, the, the MacGyver ser- serial killers in that yeah. way. He just... He sees things like, oh, this might be a fun weapon. It's Let like, I think a, a great example of that is like the one weapon he does create is his flail. Yeah. With all the different, you know, instruments on it, all the, the knives and blades and everything on that. And it's like, what I love too is like a little 
cool like little known fact is like the all the rope on there is not actually rope. That's supposed to be the the hair of his victims. It did look a little coarse and scraggly. It is, yeah, they're braids, and I, yeah. I I stole that directly from uh, the Boba Fett mythology because he supposedly wears Wookie. Well, he does. He wears Wookie braids. Uh, as trophies from Wookiees that he's killed. I remember reading about that when I was a kid, and I was like, that's so cool. So uh, so I gave that to Art. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I like it. I like yeah. it. Now, we learn a little bit about who Art is in the first film. Will we get a backstory about him in the second film? Don't you wish I would tell you that right now? <laughs> yeah, we don't. We don't want you to spoil no, anything. No, no, we just no want to. We we just um, want to get the vaguest. Will we learn more about art in the second film? Oh, you'll you'll definitely learn more about him. He's um, again, this is much more of a narrative, a much more of a traditional horror movie structure, and he certainly has a motivation in this film. He's uh he's a man on a mission in this film, so yeah, you'll uh. You'll definitely learn some stuff for sure, especially about the Sienna character played by Lauren Lavera. It's really, it's really her film, even though this is Art's rodeo. There's no, there's no doubt about it. But um, yeah, she's definitely the the star of the movie. Yeah, this is like her origin story, I would say. Yeah, yeah. That was going to be the next question: is you know, what can you tell us about uh, you know Lauren Lavera's character? Uh, casting her because uh, she looks pretty goddamn badass. Like that that Valkyrie costume. Um, mm-hmm. I'm really excited to see that. Like we saw some of the art, you know, a couple of months ago. Uh, you know, some of the the, the 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 photos that you guys released, and getting to see her in the trailer, mm-hmm. like that one on one. Because you so very rarely see a one on one physical yeah. confrontation. Um, can, what can mm-hmm. you tell mm-hmm. us? Because we don't want it, we don't want anything ruined. Like, don't tell us any more than what we saw in the trailer. Like, I don't, I don't want anything ruined at all. Yeah. Well, that character alone is a character that I've had for since about 2008, uh, and I've tried to make a movie with a very similar character. It's changed over time, but it just never, it never happened. Um, so that character is like very near and dear to my heart. I always loved. Movies like I grew up watching Red Sonia since I'm like two years old and Coin the Barbarian and I love 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 fantasy films So I always wanted to do something with a character like that uh, And I, I just love badass heroes especially like badass heroines like Ripley is one of my favorite characters of all time from Aliens the second one um, so this is this is my this is my Ripley and when Lauren came into audition, I mean we saw her we saw her self tapes and everything at, at first and we saw her reel and r- right off the bat, she just acted and looked phenomenal. So when she came in and she just knocked the audition out of the park, we never even, there was never even a runner up, but she was always yeah. going to be Sienna. So kind of like, kind of like Dave where, I mean, he, as soon as he came in, it was like, Oh, that's, that's the new art, the clown. That's the guy. There's no point in looking any further. Um, so yeah, I mean it definitely like we said she's the she's the focal point of the movie. It does revolve around her and basically the first this one picks up exactly where the first terrifier leaves off. So it's a direct continuation. We pick up with Art the Clown in the morgue being resurrected by something. I can't go into that. And then we jump ahead a year later, like you see in the trailer, 
It's Lauren Levera and her younger brother, um, Jonathan, played by Elliot Fulham. And now Art the Clown's kind of become well-known in this town. I mean, they live in the same town uh, where the killings from the first movie took place. And his body disappeared that night from the morgue. And now everybody's wondering who this killer was, where he is, is he dead, is he going to come back? And the Jonathan character is sort of like our detective of the film. And he's sort of, he's the one who's very wary of art. And he feels like there's something coming back. He might come back. Something very dangerous is going to happen. It's the one year anniversary. And he's trying to convince um, Sienna, who's his older sister. And she's trying to just sort of calm him down. And, you know, he's overthinking it. Everything's going to be okay. And sure enough, nothing's going to be okay in this movie. <laughs> so Art is going to return. And he's specifically targeting the two of them for reasons we can't go into. So it's really about Sienna and Jonathan uncovering why Art's coming back, why they're being targeted, who they are, what role they play in this Terrifier universe. Excellent. Yeah, I was yeah. going to ask, you know, is she more, you know, Ripley? Is she Sarah Connor? Is she Laurie Strode? You know, Jamie Lee Curtis? Like, and you already answered that. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, just like Art is just um, my love letter, my he's just a combination of every slasher. You can find a little bit of every slasher in, in Art. I would say that all of those little traits, you can find them in, in Siena. Yeah. yeah, I get, you know, just trying to glean what I can, you know, because, again, I, I, I like to do my own, like, you know, fan theories and stuff, you know. Obviously, I'm not going to ask you guys anything that's going to give anything away because I just I want to see what happens. You can ask whatever you want. If we could, if we have to avoid it, we'll try. But uh, feel yeah. free. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I just you know I you know watching her like there's a you know that that physical confrontation like you see you know it reminded me of you know Ripley and the Power Loader. You mm -hmm. know, like that's like I can see some of that. Uh, you know that that inspiration there, like. You know, some of the uh, the inspiration, you know, with with art, like just how creepy and scary he is with like the constant smile. Um, and speaking of that smile, uh, our, our friend Jess Snyder, who uh, is in the upcoming uh, Axe to Grind sequel, she had a question because she is a haunt actress and she is wondering what type of tooth black you used for art's makeup. Oh, for his makeup? I use... Um... Oh my God. I use the Mac eyeliner. It's like a liquid pen makeup. I use that for his black makeup on his teeth. I use, um, alcohol activated colors and then I seal it, uh, with like an epoxy and stuff. Um, always having to touch that up. Yeah. But, those are prosthetics. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah luckily. Was, yeah. yeah. Luckily. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, it's not, not quite a, uh, yeah, you know, your your uh, dental work is much better than Art's dental work. <laughs> a little bit better, yeah, a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just attribute that to you know Art's uh, you know Halloween related. You know, he just he eats too much candy and he's ruined his too teeth. Mu too much candy, too many people. You know, yeah, yeah, because yeah, he was eating the girl's face. That's right. Yeah, you know, it's just like <laughs> so. My question: One of my favorite things that favorite antics that art gets up to is uh when he signs his name in the bathroom um, 
<laughs> tell us a little bit about making those effects because uh, I'm kind of curious. It almost looked like beans at one point, like the way it was all like. Yeah, who knows? Beans. What did we use? We used uh, that was the what easiest. Is- it was bananas, bananas, peanut butter, and pudding. That might have been the combination. yeah. And we had some uh, pizza dough in there too oh, because yeah. we're in the pizza parlor. Yeah. So we're like, what can we use for this? Oh, we got pizza crust. We'll just like wad up the pizza crust and like. Yeah, you just go start taking things off the table. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know. David, did you did you do that yourself, or was that someone else from like the art department? The art department did it. Ah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Technically, I guess the entire movie would be considered the art department. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you have uh, another question? Well, no, I. it's not so much a question, but it's a it's a comment. So last year at Scaricon in Framingham, Massachusetts, we actually had the opportunity to, we had a table, and our table was right across from the professional photography area. And mm-hmm. you, David, did a, uh, a, a photo op in full Art the Clown makeup. And I was so impressed by your enthusiasm and your antics and the fact that you never took the same picture twice you did something different with every and there were a lot of people there too waiting to see you and have their picture taken you did something different with every single person and i was captivated by you i i sat there we had people coming up to our table and i was like Shh, i just just hold on just hold i'm watching this <laughs> and it was i you know we were we done a couple of uh Scarecon episodes where we've talked about you know our favorite parts and mm-hmm. I list that as one of my favorite things because I just I was Aww. so intrigued by you and this character and I can absolutely see why you are beloved so much not only you know is it the you know terrifier the, the the writing and the directing and the producing and what have you but you have this way of interacting with the fans that is just so unique to you and your character and i just i was bl- i was completely blown away like i was i was speechless i just could not take my eyes off of you yeah you looked like you were having an absolute blast like oh like yeah I, I have so much fun doing point. that like you just like jumped up in their arms and they were carrying you yep. and you had your little <laughs> your little uh you know uh, the horn horn and everything and i was just i was i was thoroughly entertained for i think it was like the the hour you know that you were doing you know, the, the photo op, yeah, and we I were, just <laughs> we were directly I, across, like five feet from you guys, just watching this, and we're just like, "This is fucking." Well, I, I want to give people the full experience. You know, it's like if they're going to pay money for these photo ops, I want them to get the full effect. So I, I don't do any, don't talk at all or anything like that. As soon as I'm, as soon as I'm out of my room with the makeup on, I am art. It, I, I have fun. I, I I like to mess around with people in the lobbies and the elevators and mm-hmm. stuff like that too. I, I have fun. I have scared so many people, <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. There's one. I'm trying to remember. There was one picture specifically where you had like this really angry, like disappointed look on your face because like the girl that was in the picture was like hugging somebody else, and you're just kind of like staring at her, like, yeah, how dare you, <laughs> like. Like, how dare you? That was, that. yeah, that was a lot of fun because so many times, like, we've seen a few pictures of people posing with, say, Wilford Brimley, uh, and he's just kind of staring there yeah. like, yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's what Dave brings to it where it's like he's not just 
like a Madame Tussauds sculpture that you just walk up. It's the same picture every time. It's like an assembly line. I mean, he engages and really, really just makes it a unique, special experience for every person that comes up. Yeah, because people um, were asking, like, oh, will and, you do this? And he's like, yeah. Well, it's <laughs> fun. That's that's how I look at it. It's like if you're – if you got to have fun with it. It's, right. it's, that's The more fun you have with it, the more fun everybody else has with it too. So it's just like why, why do you want to just stand there the whole entire time just doing the same pose there? But that would get boring and monotonous, and I can't do that. I just I can't stand that kind of stuff. I'm like I, I want to keep it fresh and new, and you know, it's like because you know who knows I might even think of something I can use in a future film by doing something like this. So just exactly. like I'm always trying to find inspiration from everywhere. So just like yeah, you never know. No, it was just it was really refreshing to see someone put that much effort into the fan experience and you know nothing but happy smiling faces you know leaving that photo op and people you know yeah. talking about how how great art the clown is and it's just you know i think that's one of the reasons why when we ask people you know who are some of your your top horror icons your top you know slasher villains art the clown is one of the first ones that they name you know they'll that's name cool. jason and freddie and you know, maybe Pennywise wow. and, and Art the Clown. Like, it never fails. Pretty much every person that we've asked has mentioned wow. Art the Clown. Yeah, That's cool. I think wow. it, it's not just because of, like, the way the character was created and your portrayal of him. It's also your interaction with fans. And, like, mm -hmm. like you know, you guys agreeing to come on the show today. Like, that's mm -hmm. really awesome because, you know, we want to promote the, the work that you're doing. And, you know, you guys have been, like, really cool doing all, you know, giving us as much information as you can about, you know, the first movie and the upcoming film as well. And people remember that. Like, uh, and one of your uh, your co-stars in the new film, Felissa Rose, one of the most delightful people we have ever <coughs> met at a convention. Uh, oh, she's yeah. so personable. She's so nice. Um, it's just that's what sticks out to people. Like Kane Hodder is another one. Like, you know, mm -hmm. oh, I'm big gruff Kane Hodder, but he's funny and he's personable. Oh yeah. yeah. He's, he's, he's one of the favorites. Yeah. yeah. And that lends more to like, Oh, I met this, I met, you know, whatever actor. And it's like, oh, I met him from this particular thing. And it's like, then when you watch them on film, it's like, Oh, I like them so much more. Derek Mears is another guy. Super, super nice. Uh, oh yeah. Well, that happens to me. That's why. That's one of the reasons why. I mean, I do. thankfully, I mean, it's it's genuine, but still, like that happens to me because I'm exactly the same as all these people who love Terrifier. Like, I'm just the biggest fan of horror movies. I grew up going to all these horror conventions and meeting my heroes. You know, I looked at these people in Friday the Thirteenth like other people look at Elvis. I mean, you mm -hmm. can you can laugh at that, but it's the truth. I mean, I'm more starstruck. Just as starstruck meeting like Kevin Van Hettenreich from Basket Case than I would be meeting like Robert Plant. You know, there's really yeah. it's it's that it's that crazy. Um, so we make sure that when people come up to us and meet us, and they're so they they you could just see the look in their eye when they they meet Dave, and they can't believe he's the clown, and they're so thrilled. I mean, that's the greatest feeling in the world. I mean, you want to make those people happy, and you're just so grateful. That yeah. you're in that you're in that situation, it's unbelievable. And the last thing you want to do is have someone leave with a negative experience or change their perception of the movie. I mean, that's happened to me meeting people, and I've also met people of movies that I was the I am the biggest fan of, like Return of the Living Dead. And I met Tom Matthews, 
And I was actually afraid to meet him because I'm so obsessed with Return of the Living Dead. I watch it multiple times a year. I don't want to have a bad experience. I can't taint that movie. It'll, just, it'll devastate me. Right. And sure enough, the nicest guy on the planet. And like you just said before, it just enriched my further watching experiences of Return of the Living Dead, you know? So yeah. that's, that's what we hope to do. Yeah, we had a, a similar experience with uh, Linnea Quigley. You know, we got, yep. we got to meet her, and she's absolutely delightful. She's so nice. Such yeah. a sweetheart. And I I love that movie. I love uh, Night of the Demons as well with her. Like, she's... Yeah. It's so nice, you know, because, you know, I, I've had a similar experience with you with a... Uh, I'm not going to name any names, but somebody who was in a massive franchise and, you know, was like, well, we're not spending any money because I can't afford... But, you know, you have no line. Can we talk for a minute? Like, yeah. Let me shake your hand. And he didn't want to shake my hand. He kind of gave me a half-hearted fist bump and then started yeah. playing on his phone. And it's just like, <sighs> now I hope you die. Oh, yeah. Sequel. Brutal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, well, that was awkward. Yeah. I, I, I've even had those moments at these conventions meeting other celebrities. And she's like, oh, that was an awkward moment. Okay. Oh, I can think of one that, <laughs> that was kind of a big jerk. Yeah. Yeah. This is there's also a difference between people who are being awkward. Some people are just awkward, but you know, yeah. and that you know, that's unfortunate, but it's not malicious or anything. But then you have people who are just clearly being a dick. Yeah. And that, that's just unacceptable. There are so, a couple yeah. names. I mean, I, I don't have a problem telling you off air, but yeah, you know, there's there's you know, there's that experience. And it's sad because yeah. it kind of changes your perception a little bit about something that you've loved so much. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You know, it, yeah. it just, it, it kind of, you know, uh, dims the light that you have for, for, you know, the, the love that you have for this certain thing. So that's why, you know, when, when people, you know, grab it, especially in the horror community, like there really aren't a lot of not so great people in the horror community. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. having the opportunity to like meet someone like you guys, you know, who are just so charismatic and so personable and really take the time to, you know, talk with the fans, embrace the fans and stuff. It just it makes people a want to support you even more. But, you know, it makes people love the films, you know, uh, that yeah. much more because it's like, hey, you know, I met. Oh, uh, look at him. Saw that girl in half. Look at him. <laughs> so nice he's such a nice guy you know she must have she must have been a real jerk (laughs) he's such a mama's boy look at him just sewing her in half that's just all but you know it's like you were saying um i i got a chance to interview uh kevin van hettenrick like you were just saying um about a month or so ago and a buddy of mine's a huge huge fan and i said hey would you mind recording like just a little like two second message saying hi to my buddy and he's like yeah absolutely and oh yeah he's so nice kevin yeah i met him a couple times now i sent it over to him and my buddy was like over over the moon because basket case is his favorite film of all time it's one of mine yeah yeah it's it's great when you get that that chance and like that's why it's so nice like you know david meeting you uh one of the things we were told is uh like if you meet david you have to ask him about his Don Knotts impression. And you just started ripping that <laughs> do- Oh, my God. Now, I'm... what exactly are you talking about there? <laughs> why, is that, why, why is this something you want to say? <laughs> That's just crazy. Yeah, you were, you were doing it. And you, were like, you were Don Knotts talking about Art the Clown. And like, oh, that guy's real. Well, that, that clown came into my town. I took out my one bullet. I nipped him in the bud. Yep. Yeah. Nipped him in the bud. He hung up Opie. 
Poor Opie. <sighs> well, we're uh, we were pretty much uh, we're uh, we're at the uh, the end of this because I know we've kept you guys for a while. But before I go, there's a question that I always ask everybody. Uh, you guys do conventions and and folks spend their time looking to uh, you know meet you and get pictures and, and signatures and they want to spend their money on you. So if you guys could meet anyone at a convention, maybe you already have, but you know if there's someone that you haven't met yet, who is someone that you're going to wait in line and spend your money on? Oh, that's easy for me. That's Mark Hamill. Oh, good, I, good pick. I, yeah. Um, I want to meet Bruce Campbell. I mean, we've been, we've done a photo op simultaneously, but we didn't get to meet him. So, uh, yeah, he's one of my, I've even been in a elevator with him and I was still like intimidated. I was just like, uh, yeah, that's major starstruck level. Yeah. Jesus. Bad experience there. If they, if he ruins evil dead for me, I mean, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I do. I do actually, I, I forgot. I have one more thing. Uh, this was sent to me earlier today and uh, by our buddy Anthony T of Anthony T's Horror Show, which if you haven't listened to, you should because he's fucking awesome. Uh, and this is from the Terrifier 2 Art the Clown of... Well, it says official, but official is spelled wrong. And I don't know if this is true or not, but it says that there is a tease that the... Terrifier 3 script is already underway. Yeah, I just saw that. Um, I mean, underway, you could say yes, I guess. Um, There was actually, um, there was like a 15-minute scene that was supposed to be the beginning of Terrifier 2, but Terrifier 2 is just so huge that we had to take that out. So now that would be the beginning of Part 3. So technically, I did start writing it. And I also know the ending of Part 3, um, so it's just got to fill in the gaps, but we do, we do have a lot of ideas for part three. Yeah. I do, I do pretty much know where it's going. So this yeah. Is a franchise. The script's not written though. I, I think that's what people have been thinking. The script is yeah. already written. I'm like, Oh no, 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 no. We, we have ideas, but yeah. And it's constantly, constantly evolving. By the time I sit down and write it and finish it, it's going to be something completely different. So that's just oh, yeah. the way it is. Like that, the ideas that we were coming up with for part two when we were, when we had just finished part one, we are like far, like far, <laughs> far away from what we originally thought of. So, yeah. <laughs> well, so who knows? I want to thank you guys for joining us. And uh, before we go, where do you guys like folks following you on social media? Um, I'm primarily on Instagram. So, yeah, at Damien underscore Leone. Okay. I'm on both Facebook and Instagram under David Howard Thornton. And I also, because, you know, the, the convention scene has been pretty much dead because of the virus, I've been doing Cameo videos as well. So you can find me on Cameo. It's on, on David Howard Thornton, I believe, on there as well. Or David H. Thornton, something like that. But, uh, yeah, I, I charge what I charge for an autograph on Cameo as well. Because, you know, I don't want people going broke just to come do something with me or something like that. So I'm like, yeah, (laughs) it's just a fun way to reach out to people. I got a few of those videos actually to record later on this afternoon. Excellent. It's just fun. It's a good thing to do for people's birthdays and whatnot. So I even did one for someone's wedding. (laughs) I was like, wow. That's great. Yeah. Right. Well, Terrifier 2 is coming out. Check out the trailer. Um, Do we have a solid release date for that yet? Or are we not sure? 
No, we don't. We don't. We actually we still have a few days left of filming, but uh, okay. I've been editing everything we shot during quarantine. So we're you know we're so once we get these few days in the can, I mean we can we can lock up the edit fairly quickly. But it's too it's too soon to give a, a release date. So yeah, yeah unfortunately. Well, follow uh, the uh, Terrifier two on the uh, the Facebook groups because and the uh, Art the Clown Appreciation Group. Oh, our little, our little own insane asylum. Yes, definitely. yes. <laughs> there's tons of stuff in there. Share your fan art, your fan theories, all that. There's, there's tons of stuff. David, you're in there now and then, commenting yeah. on things. So, yeah, um, yeah I so... try my best. <laughs> it could be a little bit overwhelming at times, but oh, yeah, yeah. I try to, I try to, you know, chime in whenever I can. So once again, thank you guys. Uh, we appreciate your time, and uh, we'll be right back. Shark Bites, Shark Bites Podcast It's the greatest show in history From the Dorkening Network Hosted by a nerd who's named Patsy From movie reviews to tips on surviving the coronavirus Shark Bites has it all Follow us on Facebook and suggest topics at sharkbitespod at gmail.com. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hey there, this is JB. And if you enjoy Tales from the Crypt, then check out my show, Tales from the Podcast, where myself, and usually a very special guest, sit down to discuss the TV show, the films, the animated series, as well as the original comics. So check me out every other week on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and of course, at TalesFromThePodcast.com. Thanks for listening, kiddies. You're all a scream. <laughs> Hi, this is Dominic Pace, who played the bounty hunter Gecko from The Mandalorian, and you are listening to the Throwdown Thursday podcast. So what are your plans tomorrow? Megan Melanie's throwing a Halloween party. think that guy's still out there? What's up with you and this clown all of a sudden? You're like obsessed. They never found his body. What if he decides to come back here? I wouldn't worry about it. On the off chance that he is still alive, I'm sure he's gone far away from here. For the third time, you just didn't hear the previous two because I uh, had to change them over. First time, I didn't hit record. Second time, I did hit record, but I had, I had the thing zoomed out so I couldn't tell if it was recording or not. So now, uh, third time is the charm. For realsies. Uh, for realsies. That was the trailer for Terrifier 2. If you have not seen it yet. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Like, I wasn't kidding when I, when I said what I said about, you know, 
how hyped I was watching that trailer. Like, if you were a fan of the first film and you were really anticipating the second one, this one, like, you can tell that it steps everything up. And you get to see Art with a goddamn flamethrower, and you get to see him fight uh, Lauren. Like, oh, my God. It looks incredible. So, like, even if you weren't so much a fan of the first film... I think that this this trailer for the sequel is just going to blow you away. Like it's it's just more. It's the first film to like the nth degree. They're taking it in into uh, just they're doing so much with it. And yeah, especially I'm with a bigger so budget. I'm so impressed already. Like I was impressed with the first film. If you think about budgets and you know time constraints and everything else, you know what they were what they were able to accomplish, but knowing you know some of the people who worked behind the scenes on terrifier 2 mm-hmm. and you know they they crowdfunded this they had like a, a kickstarter or indiegogo or what have you uh which i believe met its goal within like three days or yeah, something it was like, like a few hours it was it, it, crazy it crushed its goal it was so quickly. so cool like clearly the fans want this and they know the fans want this, and and I think that they are absolutely delivering. And the fact that there is that there are already thoughts of a third film. I mean, I I think we see the beginning yeah, of a I will absolutely be franchise. That one. Oh yeah, absolutely. I do want to uh, just quickly point out. I know it's not Terrifier, but speaking of crushing their uh, crowdfunding goals, uh, Axe to Grind just set a stretch goal of forty thousand dollars because they've already surpassed twenty thousand. Wow. So there's plenty of time. There's a ton more perks. And it's it's not even two weeks into the Indiegogo campaign. Yeah. It started on the 24th, and, like, tomorrow will be two weeks. Yeah. So they they went past their goal. They had a hun- Their original goal was 15 grand. Wow. And... They had twenty grand when I last checked, and they're still adding perks to it, like some really incredible. Your face in the movie, perks. yeah, um, like the the deck, the card deck, like that's really cool. Uh, we picked up the epic bundle, which is you know because I want everybody's autograph. I want that nice poster hanging in the in the uh, you know, pet you, cave. You get the Blu-ray along with it. The signed really Blu-ray, the wrong. signed poster, the thank you in the credits. Pages from the script. I pages believe. from the script. And the digital download. So even if you don't, you know, you just want to display the the Blu-ray, you still have the digital download, so you can still watch it. So, yeah, uh, super awesome. Uh, and speaking of that, if you check out uh, ThrowdownThursdayPodcast.com, I've got some great interviews uh, in my Women in Horror series with, uh, well, today you'll see uh, Aaron Marie Garrett, because... Um, it, it should have already been up, but we dealt with uh, almost 24 hours of a power outage because of this big hurricane. Yeah, I'm sure some of you are aware, and some of you may still be uh, dealing with power outages at this point. This, or at least trees This down. tropical storm that came, I want to say it came out of nowhere, but apparently people have been talking about this for the past week or so. I just got off the phone with my mom, making sure that she was all right and stuff, and she's like, oh, yeah. They've been talking about it for like a week. I and posted I'm just like, a picture I of it the other day because it looked like a dick. Dia, 
<laughs> but typically, you the, know, the storm track looked like a dick. We're in Massachusetts, so typically, you know, storm systems that come up the coast like that, by the time it reaches us, it's lost a lot of its gusto. So it's typically only a lot of rain and and some wind that might blow some branches around, but nothing too crazy. But this was like a legit tropical storm. It actually reminded me a little bit of my time living on a little island in the Pacific called Guam. Living um, in a Guamish paradise. Pretty much, yeah. We used to have crazy tropical storms there and and typhoons and everything, but it, some of the yeah, except there wasn't I, like fifteen hundred miles of land to block it. Well, I mean, there's that, but um, no, some of the the damage that I saw driving home the other night, driving home in the whole wind funness, um, yeah, it reminded me of that a little bit. But I know some of you are still waiting for your power to be turned back on, so please just be safe. Yeah, and if you've got trees trees down, you know. Trees down. Trees down. Uh, just make sure that, you know, if they're leaning on, on any kind of power lines or anything, that you're alerting the proper people. What do you say when you want the trees back up? Trees up. No, what do you say when you want the trees up? Trees up. Wham. If that's a Futurama thing. Um, but, yeah, um, so Erin Marie Garrett is going to be the newest one that drops uh, today, uh, Thursday. Uh, Jessica Snyder dropped, along with her interview on Shark Bites, uh, that we did live uh, last Friday. That ep- episode dropped on Shark Bites on Tuesday, along with uh, her interview. And there was one for Rhiannon Nicole that just went up. And uh, Trista Robinson from Echoes of Fear, who uh, did a, a guest spot with uh, Lo and Brian um, from, uh, they directed, wrote and directed. Um, uh, Echoes of Fear, and they were on Shark Bites a couple months back. So check those out. Those are some really fun interviews, and there's going to be a bunch more uh, from some very talented folks. So uh, be on the lookout for that. And uh, we have a new battle. We do have a new battle. And since we have a new battle, that means it's time to play the battle theme. All right, Ashes, what is our battle this week? Our battle is pretty epic. So our battle for this week is just clowning around. Which clown has what it takes to entertain the children and pulverize their opponents? Stipulations, last clown standing. The sandbox is Samuel Vanek's birthday party. And if you don't know who Samuel Vanek is, yes, you do. If you've seen the Babadook, he's that really annoying kid that you just wanted to die the entire film. Why yeah. can't you be normal? Yeah, <laughs> that kid. And the special guest referees for this week are the Insane Clown Posse. Fucking blankets. How, How do, do they, they work? work? I know it's so, magnets, not blankets, but blankets is funnier. Magic everywhere in this bitch. Uh, so we have Art the Clown from the Terrifier films. Naturally. Versus Twisty the Clown from American Horror Story. Yep. Versus Pennywise, obviously, from Wait, it. Wait, which, which Pennywise are we doing? I mean, do you want to s- 
pick a specific one? Let's do book Pennywise. Book Pennywise. Because that way nobody's been. It's, it's, it's not Tim Curry. It's not Bill Skarsgård. It's, it's an amalgamation of both. It's whatever your imagination wants it to be. Versus Slim, one of the clowns from Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Yes. Yes. And uh, I know certain people have a uh, a great affinity for uh, for uh, Crystal Carnage is a huge, huge fan. She's done some great makeups. She has. She loves her some killer clowns from out of space. It's like her favorite movie of all time. So, yep, it's Art versus Twisty versus Pennywise versus Slim. So hit us up on the Facebooks. Hit us up on the Twitters. Let us know in the polls who you have. Which clown is the clown that will just clown out clown all of the other clowns yeah uh, you clown jive turkey clown <laughs> so we have some really awesome stuff coming up uh oh we're gonna my be goodness. we have some uh some author interviews coming up over the next month and a half we have interviews with uh the cast of a couple of independent films yeah uh, we're gonna have writers directors SFX artists, uh, actors. Um, more of Ash's first time watches. Yes, uh, we're gonna do some more, uh, some more of those because there's a couple that I was just thinking of, like Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Now, I, I, yeah, Although, I have not seen them. To be fair, I just watched that myself for the first time a couple months ago, but uh, I'm eyeing some of the movies that are over uh, in the pile that I can see. Uh, Down Periscope is definitely one that uh, you need to watch. Um, but yeah, we're going to have a lot of really awesome folks on, um, I'm thinking we might have another couple of live events, uh, either both of us or just me for shark bites or just for, uh, um, you know, what have you, you know, we, we have a lot of content coming up. We want to make sure we get to everybody Mm -hmm. and kind of mix things up. We're going to be doing a lot more, um, you know, I, I, a lot more of the, uh, you know, YouTube stuff. I want to get more to that channel. So there'll be more gaming stuff. You know, if you want to watch me lose to my brother in NBA 2K20, uh, there's a lot of swearing. Yeah, I would say I hear a lot of <laughs> inappropriate language. Us talking trash, but at the same time, like, still uh, encouraging each other to do well. Uh, there'll be that. That's also on the Twitch channel, which is Throwdown Thursday podcast. Um yeah, there's a lot. Well, we have an, an another about a week and a half. We're gonna have another uh, Universal Yums video to yep, do, that's and we happen. got the mega giant huge box. I'm so excited! <laughs> I'm so excited for this. So many snacks. <laughs> so we started with the small so one, many the Yum box, and then we went to the Yum Yum box, and I guess this is the Yummy 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 box. I don't know. I don't know what this one's called, but that'd be obnoxious if that was the if that was the thing. You're obnoxious. But before we go, I, I definitely I want to thank David and Damien again. Yes. Spending the time, taking the time. Um, you're also going to be seeing them pop up on some other shows in the very near future, shows that are very friendly to us and uh, our, our good friends. You're going to see see them pop yeah, up. Yeah, look for them on the Dorkening Network. And the Dark Discussions Podcast Network. Yeah. Um, and I would also hazard to guess that you're going to see some more of the uh, ladies of Axe to Grind because uh, 
there's a few folks that we've been in touch with that we need to we need to uh, get on the show. You say folks a lot. I do. Well, uh, it's it's a broad term. I don't offend anyone. Folks. You know that way. You know it's. You don't have to worry about using the incorrect pronouns. You know, I'm just these folks. folks. It's just easier that way. Folks. It's a it's a blanket term. I like blankets. I like blankets. Oh, and I do want to say. Um, if you saw our uh, interview that we did, uh, Leo and I, on um, on uh, the Indie Creator Spotlight a couple weeks ago, we interviewed uh, Hansi Oppenheimer, and she did a, a documentary called uh, All Hail the Popcorn King about Joe R. Lansdale, and I'd never read any of his stuff, and so I was like, oh, what the hell, I'll reach out on Twitter, hey, Twitter, hey, Joe R. Lansdale, wh- you know, which of your books should I read first? Not expecting anything. And he actually responded to me and gave me suggestions. Mm-hmm. And you bought some and of those suggestions. I bought the first and one. And you're reading one of those suggestions. During the power outage last night, I flew. I read like half of or a third of the first book. Like, it was so good. Like, I can't wait to finish it and then move on. Like, everyone who's been telling me about Joe R. Lansdale is absolutely correct. He has an amazing writing style. I've been reading The Bottoms. There's some twisted shit that happens in it. And it's it's yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. So, highly recommended. But uh you have anything else? Oh, you're going to be on a show next week. I am. So, because of the power outages, I was supposed to be on Let's Party with Loren. That is Loren Malloy's live show that she does every Thirsty Thursday. Writer, director of Yield, the horror movie. Yeah, and a plethora of books. She is a very busy girl. Um, But instead of being on tonight, this Thursday, I'm actually going to be joining her next Thursday. So we can bypass all of the technical difficulties. Everyone should hopefully have power by then. Everything should hopefully be good. So not this week, but next week. And I'm sure we'll be doing some promotional stuff for that as well. But I will be appearing on the game show Let's Party with Loren, with Loren Malloy. And we're going to probably get into a lot of trouble. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. Knowing the two of you, probably. Probably. (laughs) It's going to be a lot of fun. It's a fun little game show. The points don't matter. It is all for show. We are just here to entertain you. Oh, and I will have a major announcement coming in the next few days. Yes, you will. Oh, I am so fucking pumped for this. Talk about like vague podcasting. Kind of like vague, vague booking, vague casting. Vague yeah. casting. But uh, yeah, keep keep your eyes peeled yeah, on the Throwdown Thursday really group. Really exciting. Yeah, stuff we yeah, got we got the news so earlier, exciting. and I got a new uh, mixer, which gives me some cool special effects. But uh, with that being said. We We will see you next Thursday. Send in the clowns. Those daffy, laffy clowns. Send in those soulful and doleful schmaltz by the bowlful. Send in the clouds. <laughs> Air cold rain.
love you, Krusty. Quiet. 